0: the laity will have voting rights at October's Synod on Synodality. Is that proper at a Synod of Bishops? Bishop Athanasius Schneider of Kazakhstan is challenging the idea. And the U.S. bishops hold their spring meeting in Orlando this week as Pope Francis recovers from abdominal surgery. The papal posse Robert Royal and Father Gerald Murray are here with analysis of these stories and more. And a Louisiana farmer is being attacked for celebrating his Catholic faith on social media and questioning Pride Month. Ross McKnight is here to tell his story. The World Over begins right now. Now, Raymond Arroyo. A warm welcome to all of you joining us in the United States and the world over. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send me a tweet. I'm at Raymond Arroyo. Let's get to it. He is the auxiliary bishop of Astana, Kazakhstan. And he's well known for his defense of traditional church teaching. He recently appealed to the pope over the pope's decision to allow the laity voting rights at a synod of bishops. Joining me now, Bishop Athanasius Schneider. Your Excellency, thank you for being here. You recently gave an interview in Rome to journalist Diane Montagna in which you asked Pope Francis to rescind these new norms, which give equal voting rights to bishops and laity at the October Synod of Bishops. Why are you so concerned about this? I mean, isn't this synod about listening
1: to the people? It is simply against uh, the hierarchical structure of the church. such. Uh, equal voting rights of laity and the hierarchy is confusing it's putting uh, the laity on the same level at least during the voting system had never uh, happened in the history of the church this is a typical protestant invention by martin luther and the other reformers who gave the same rights and abolished the distinction the hierarchical distinction between the hierarchy the ministerial priesthood the shepherds of the church and the laity the flock and therefore these uh, uh, rights voting rights are undermining very clearly the divine structure of the church and therefore it is the duty of uh, i would say um, every bishop to raise his voice, especially of the cardinals, and to ask the pope to rescind these.
0: Your Excellency, you have referred to this decision as a radical novelty. Why do you think the decision was made? What's at play here?
1: Yes, it is evidently because this is a Protestant method. I repeat, as I say, it introduced Martin Luther and the other Protestants such synodal meetings with equal voting rights. And therefore, it is evident those who introduce now in the upcoming uh, October synod the same method as the Protestants did in the Reformation, it is evidently to Protestantize the Catholic Church evermore. These new norms
0: were announced in April by Synod Secretary General Cardinal Mario Grec and the general rapporteur, uh, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerick. Um, also part of this is the decision to prioritize women and young people among the laity, which makes up about 25 percent of the vote at the synod. D- doesn't this undermine the much-advertised synod of bishops? And how radical a departure is this, these new norms, from
1: the way synods have been practiced in the past? This method is clearly a worldly style of this world, not of the Church of God. Because we can consult lay people, but depending on their quality, on their proven faith, on their proven knowledge, then we can ask their advice, but not giving them voting rights. It's against the divine structure of the Church. I repeat, Men, uh, and men, there are and there are uh, good, um, uh, quali- qualified uh, lay people, even women, and maybe younger people who have uh, some qualities in the spiritual life. But it has to be proven, not simply to take um, this worldly method to just to take in a percentage of women and young people. This is not uh, according to the Catholic tradition at all. I repeat, this is a worldly parliament style. You,
0: You talk in interviews I've recently read about Pope Paul VI's vision of a synod. How will the October synod differ from the late Pope's thoughts on the synod and whatever synodality is?
1: It's very much differing uh, because Paul VI, I quoted in my interview with Diane Montagna his statements uh, on the synod of bishops in from seventy one. It was the second meeting, and he instituted these uh, bishops of the synod of bishops. Paul VI, and in seventy one he warned and uh, and reminded the bishops to do their task as teachers of the flock. So this is a difference. So they had to teach the lay people clearly. He reminded them, and then he reminded them they had to teach clarity, not ambiguity, and said the church has to transmit the integrity of the tradition of the apostles and of the immutable faith of the Catholic church. And then he added this important phrase, uh, the church is in this point, always uh, strongly conservative, traditional. And because of this, that the church is faithful to tradition, she will never get old. She was young.
0: Your Your Excellency, when you say you'd like these norms rescinded, exactly what are you asking Pope Francis to do? And what about the College of Cardinals? Do they have the power to act to return this synod to a synod of bishops?
1: Well, I ask clearly to rescind this norm of the secretariat of the synod of bishops who grant the equal voting rights to lay people together with the bishops. This is my formulation, and this is the very necessary that the Pope will rescind these. And the College of Cardinals, of course, they have no power over the Pope because we are a monarchical structure of the Church, not a conciliar, and therefore the the, the but uh, the, the cardinals they are the the closest advisors of the Pope, the College of Cardinals, this is their task, they have to to respectfully remind the Pope to abolish these norms because it is undermining seriously the divine uh, structure of the church. Uh, Bishop, are
0: other bishops joining you in this? I mean, have they they added their voice to your plea? And I mean, we know where this is headed. You, you know, you adjust who can vote, and then you selectively choose the people who can vote, and then the agenda is practically all sewn up. So, are other bishops concerned, as you are, about the norms and the way that this is proceeding?
1: Yes, there are bishops who are concerned, but until now, I have not known that they raise publicly their voices and their concerns. Um, therefore, I think that the cardinals who have more authority in the church, more responsibility, they have to raise their voice respectfully and remind the pope of his duty to maintain clarity in the structure of the church. And because the church exists to uh, to resolve the doubts in doctrine and moral, and not to create and to raise new doubt.
0: We will leave it there. Bishop Athanasius Schneider, thank you for being here. His new book, The Catholic Mass, Steps to Restore the Centrality of God in the Liturgy by Bishop Schneider, is available everywhere, online and at bookstores. Thank you, Your Excellency. You're
1: welcome. Here with reaction
0: to Bishop Schneider's request, the USCCB spring meeting and much more is the papal posse. Editor-in-chief of the Catholicthing.org, Robert Royal, joins me on set. And canon lawyer and priest of the Archdiocese of New York, Father Gerald Murray. Thank you both for being here. Um, I want to begin with what we just heard from Bishop Schneider. Should Pope Francis rescind these norms, allowing laity to vote in a synod of bishops? Father Jerry, you first. What authority does this have? the senate
2: itself well the senate ceases to be a senate of bishops once other people are allowed in there as equal voting members it just it's logical you know if the senate of the united states had a meeting and then invited 25 citizens to come in and gave them votes uh, they wouldn't become senators but they would vitiate the senatorial voting procedure it's just it's clear as logic and theologically he's absolutely right the shepherds of the church gather in order to advise the pope, come to a consensus, vote on propositions, and then send those to the pope. It doesn't involve having other people come in. If you want to have consultation with the laity, that's fine. But do it apart from the actual synod of bishops, which Mm. really ceases to exist once this comes into effect. Mm. Bob, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I was taken by what Bishop Schneider said about this not being, you know, part of the ecclesial structure, because Mm. it seems to me that he's absolutely right, that this is more political than it is uh, ecclesial or spiritual, if you want to put it in those terms. Because why do we have these special categories, young people, women, the margin? This is the language of politics. This is not the language of the church. Now, do we want to hear from those people? Sure we want to hear from them, but should they be involved in this sort of direct, uh, consultation that then makes recommendations to the pope, I don't really see that. And it, it tells you something that people like uh, Cardinal Grech keep saying, well, this doesn't alter the basic nature that this is a synod of bishops, but then on the other hand, they want to claim that this is some sort of major step forward in mm-hmm. terms of mm-hmm. consultation. I think it's confused, but I think it's also nakedly political and and therefore something to be worried about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: we have seen the disastrous results of that German synod. Uh, and, Father Jerry, earlier this year, the Church of England convened a synod comprised of bishops and clergy and lay people. The results? The synod voted to permit Anglican priests to bless same-sex weddings and civil partnerships, despite the fact that that gay and lesbian weddings are prohibited in that church. Oh, and they're also considering banishing references to God as he, him, or father, you know, the things Jesus said. Uh, they will consider gender-neutral or female or t- alternatives. Father Jerry, is this where the Catholic Church is headed, very quickly?
2: I hope not. I mean, we certainly should not follow that incoherence. In the Anglican Church, which they themselves recognize, they say contradictory things all the time, and treat it as a way to satisfy different interest groups. The mission of the Catholic Church from Jesus Christ is to teach the truth. The truth does not change over time. Over time, we get to know it better. And the truth, when it's challenged, needs to be defended. So if the Synod and Bishops becomes a political, you know, expression of, you know, the Church of what's happening now, uh, we have a big problem. Hmm. Bob, you wanted
3: to add. Yeah, uh, I was struck. I, I read the statement that the uh, Anglicans put out. And, you know, there, there is uh, a large group of bishops in the developing world, in Africa and Asia, mm. who, who have just said now that the Archbishop of Canterbury is no longer the, the, the primate of all of them because right. he, is, he is derogated from what the gospel is. And they actually used a very interesting phrase in the document that they sent. They said, we've been asked to walk together with these members of the anglican church who want to bless uh... gay unions Mm -hmm. and we can't walk together when we have divergent views of what the gospel itself actually says i mean this is a phrase that of course we have been hearing a lot uh, being used also in terms of, of the synod. The synod. Yeah. If, if you're walking in opposite directions, you're not walking together.
0: Yeah. Well, the walking is an interesting transition. You you almost read my mind, Bob uh, Bishop Daniel Flores of Brownsville is on the steering committee of the synod. He's the only American represented on the you know the executive committee. He said at the bishops' conference today that they are releasing the working text of the synod next Tuesday. Now clearly some of the bishops are worried about this process. Listen to his explanation of the way the Synod is proceeding.
2: If it has felt at
0: times that we were creating a pathway as we walked it, it's because we were. And this is largely due to the fact that some things you just have to start doing in order to learn how it can be done. And how it can be done better. It seems to me, this is just my own thought, it seems to me that the Holy Father prefers this manner of proceeding. Father Jerry, your reaction? Uh,
2: Well, uh, let's see what that document says next week, but uh, Bishop Flores' meaning is not quite clear. You have to do something before you know what you're doing or know how to do it. Uh, Does that mean an innovation uh, against something in the existing doctrine of the faith that we have to put it forward? I know that's precisely what the German Synod has done. Mm. Uh, The German Synodal Way has been a disaster because it basically repudiates Catholic teaching in a number of areas. And then when you tell people, when you say to them what you're doing, what you're doing is horrible, they say, "No, we're simply ahead of the curve. We're leading the way." So Mm. if we're going in the wrong direction. It doesn't matter that we're walking, we're distancing ourselves
0: from Christ and his truth. Bob, very quickly, it has the whiff of Nancy Pelosi about it. We have to pass the bill, bill to Lord, see what's, so in it. In it. what's in it. I mean, we have to go down the synodal way to see where
3: we're going. Yeah. You know, some people have been complaining that our bishops haven't spent more time talking yeah. about the, the synod during the, this right. meeting this week. And they've even called it the most consequential event in the church since Vatican II. Well, if I, I'm... I read through, and if anybody is looking for some penance to do in the next few days, you can read through the the uh, continental report, the 40 pages that could have been five pages actually mm. if, if it had been written better. Uh, the 40 pages that was submitted to the Vatican, and even in there, we have bishops saying, "Well, we don't know what this is, but we're going—you know—we're going through the process." And um, there can be enthusiasm about discovering something that you, you're not even sure what it is you're discovering. Yeah. So. I think they're forced back to language like this because there is no clear goal in mind. Yeah,
0: I want to change topics for a moment. Pope Francis has sent a letter to the attendees of the Outreach LGBTQ Catholic Ministry Conference being held at Fordham University in New York this weekend. In a letter sent to Father James Martin, the editor of Outreach, um, he suggests that Father Martin has the style of God, Bob, and he has encouraged him in this culture of encounter. Why the focus, do you think, by Pope Francis, on this organization?
3: Well, it's a little bit frustrating because, on the one hand, the Holy Father has talked about the kind of colonial, uh, the uh, colonization of the world by this this gender uh, theory, this gender mm-hmm. ideology that exists out there. But I think here the, there was the, the Jesuit connection because I, I I don't know why the Holy Father has taken such a shine to Father Martin. Father Martin is, of course, very deft at not appearing to contradict Catholic teaching, but actually, I think, doing so. And if you look at the the list of speakers at this conference, this is mostly going to be devoted not just to outreach in the sense of being welcoming, but in in changing doctrine. And the way the Holy Father, for example, praised Sister Janine Gramic not that long ago, who has been one of the founders of New Ways Ministries, which is a very, very radical group that has been condemned multiple times over decades. It just seems to me that the Vatican has this sort of Jesuit pipeline between Rome and New York that maybe accounts for his soft spot toward Father Martin, but that's the only explanation I have.
0: Uh, Father Jerry, uh, the Pope has also met with Father Martin twice in private audiences. Um, Your thoughts about why uh, the embrace of this group? I mean, this has been going on for three years now. There was a book. There was a documentary. Well, it seems
2: that the pope thinks that Father Martin is promoting uh, the good of the church by endorsing the homosexual lifestyle. And I think the pope, if, if that's what he thinks, he's made a big mistake. If he's ill-informed about what uh, outreach and its conferences are doing, uh, someone should help him with the homework, because it's quite clear. Outreach, uh, the website, and now this movement, IT'S ABOUT CHANGING CHURCH TEACHING. Hmm. THEY WANT TO HAVE THE ACCEPTABILITY OF THE HOMOSEXUAL LIFESTYLE. THEY NO LONGER WANT HOMOSEXUAL ATTRACTION TO BE TREATED AS SOMETHING PERVERSE OR WRONG. THEY DON'T BELIEVE SODOMY IS A MORTAL SIN. Uh, THEY CERTAINLY ENDORSE GAY BLESSINGS AT SO-CALLED SAME-SEX MARRIAGES. Uh, FATHER MARTIN ALSO ENDORSES THE EXISTENCE OF CATEGORIES OF HUMAN BEINGS THAT THE CHURCH DOESN'T CONSIDER TO BE CATEGORIES. bisexuals transsexuals or transgendered, uh, people who are intersex or non-binary, all of this make-believe world, uh, which is basically endorsing sexual liberation that's really enslavement uh, to sin, uh, Father Martin's all in favor of that. And it's really, really terrible for your average Catholic to hear that Father Martin's getting all the attention. Meanwhile, Courage, which is the organization founded by Father John Harvey and Father Benedict Rochelle, WHICH HELPS PEOPLE WITH HOMOSEXUAL TEMPTATION WHO WANT TO LIVE chaste AND GOOD LIVES, COURAGE GETS NO ENCOURAGEMENT FROM THE HOLY FATHER. IT'S VERY, VERY DISAPPOINTING. AND AS REGARDS THE TEACHING OF THE CHURCH, IT'S REALLY A SHAME WHEN PEOPLE WHO ATTACK THAT TEACHING, FATHER MARTIN HAS SAID HE WANTS THE CATECHISM CHANGED, PEOPLE WHO ATTACK THE TEACHING GET FAVORED. PEOPLE WHO
0: DEFEND IT GET IGNORED. THIS IS WHAT'S HAPPENING RIGHT NOW. I want to move on to Saturday. A uh, conference was held, a meeting at the Vatican, on human fraternity. This was at St. Peter's Square. A declaration on human fraternity was written for the event and issued by the Vatican. The declaration calls on all men and women of goodwill to embrace the appeal for fraternity. And it states, quote, United with Pope Francis, we want to reaffirm that authentic reconciliation does not flee from conflict, but is achieved in conflict, resolving it through open dialogue and open, honest and patient negotiation, all this within the context of the human rights framework. Our children, our future, can only thrive in a world of peace, justice and equality to the benefit of the single human family. Only fraternity can generate humanity. Bob. God is not mentioned once in that document. Uh, what do you make of the statement that, quote, only fraternity can generate humanity? This thing sounds like it was created by an A.I., you know, a chatbot or something.
3: Yes, this is one of the childs of uh, John Lennon's imagine. Imagine there are no countries, you know, that, imagine there is no cause for conflict with people or, you know, that all conflict can somehow be resolved through uh, through dialogue. This is simply not the, the uh, experience of the human race throughout history. even. I, I think even religious traditions that don't believe in the fall, as we do, mm-hmm. which means a, a radical departure from God and from the order that God intended for creation, and can only be repaired by God and not just some, you know, some generic God, but by Jesus Christ Himself. So, you know, by by entering into this, which, by the way, was ignored by most of the the secular media and totally. and, and largely the people, even in in Rome, who was, were expected to show up. By ignoring that, you're you're proposing a solution that can never be a solution in Mm. in in Catholic understanding of what's there. Only Christ can reverse that uh, that division that exists, not only between us and God, but between one another. So you know it's 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 focused on a solution that is a non-solution.
0: Yeah, it it was a weird event, Father. I mean, the the world meeting uh, on humanity or human fraternity, rather. It was held at St. Peter's Square, it's simulcast on several continents. It featured performances, including a shirtless ballet dancer uh, who was sort of trotting around there. You see him glissading around in front of the uh, uh, St. Peter's. Uh, then uh, a woman got up and sang somewhere over the rainbow uh, on the steps of St. Peter. I, I, Father, I guess the village people weren't available. What is going on here? What is the purpose of this thing?
2: Well, uh, the purpose, I guess, is to celebrate human achievement, but, you know, let's note a couple of things. Uh, Singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, that happened to be the weekend in which gay pride celebrations were going on in Italy, and they've appropriated the rainbow as a symbol of of their uh, group and their ideology. Uh, The gentleman who uh, did the dancing without a shirt on, according to reports, he's civilly married to a man. Uh, This is outrageous. The Vatican should not be a stage for promoting spectacles associated with immorality and associated, you know, with a, an ideological cause that contradicts Christianity. You know, self-worship uh, degenerates basically into the endorsement of the immoral behavior of fallen man, and that's where mm-hmm. we're going in the world. Uh, Christ as Bob was saying, he's the solution. He's called the mm-hmm. prince of peace precisely because when we acknowledge him, then peace
0: returns to our lives. Hmm. Uh, I want to return to the USCCB meeting this week in Orlando. Uh, The bishops are considering and voting on a revision of the ethical and religious directives for Catholic health care services. This covers the relationship between Catholic medical professionals and the patients. Now, reports indicate the revision would update the directives to align with a doctrinal note the bishops issued back in March. It states, Catholic health care services must not perform interventions whether surgical or chemical that aim to transform the sexual characteristics of a human body into those of the opposite sex or take part in the development of such procedures. Um, Father Jerry, this revised update would essentially prohibit Catholic hospitals from performing transgender surgeries, but, meanwhile, it's being reported a Catholic hospital, at least one, St. Francis Memorial Hospital in San Francisco, affiliated with the largest healthcare system in the U.S., Common Spirit Health, has received millions of dollars for a robot that assists with transgender sex change operations. Your thought? Well, the bishops are right, and that
2: hospital is doing something disgraceful. Uh, so-called sex change surgery or chemical uh, invasion of the body DOES, CANNOT DO THE IMPOSSIBLE, A MAN CANNOT TURN INTO A WOMAN, A WOMAN CANNOT TURN INTO A MAN. Uh, DOING BODILY MUTILATION AND PRETENDING AND SUPPRESSING NATURAL HORMONES, uh, THIS IS VERY UNHEALTHY, THIS IS WRONG. Uh, CATHOLICS SHOULD HAVE NOTHING TO DO WITH IT. Uh, YOU KNOW, PART OF THE GLORY OF THE CATHOLIC CHURCH IN THE UNITED STATES WAS THE CREATION OF A HEALTH CARE SYSTEM TO TAKE CARE OF POOR IMMIGRANTS WHO DIDN'T HAVE ACCESS TO GOOD HEALTH CARE. Uh, THAT SYSTEM SHOULD REMAIN FAITHFUL TO THE PURPOSE FOR WHICH IT WAS FOUNDED. SO I'M GLAD THE BISHOPS HAVE SPOKEN, BUT WHEN IT'S BEING IGNORED, WELL, THERE'S GOT TO BE CONSEQUENCES, BECAUSE OTHERWISE PEOPLE GET THE IMPRESSION, WELL, THE bishops SAY SOMETHING, BUT THEY REALLY DON'T MEAN TO ENFORCE IT. Mm. THIS BETTER BE ENFORCED. and. Uh, very fast, because this is a big problem
0: in our society. Bob, there's a lot of tension right now between um, medical cooperatives and and, and unions and associations, which accredit many of these doctors, and these doctors living out their their Catholic faith and their deeply held convictions.
3: The bishops are trying to thread the needle. Will they be able to? Yeah, that's a good question, but I agree with Father entirely that there there needs to be an enforcement mechanism here. Otherwise, it's just talk, and we have probably... Which would look like what? I don't know. I mean, look, I I never get tired of saying we are a binary faith male and female, he created them. Mm-hmm. Father James Martin has, has raised the question of whether Genesis is right about that, but I'll stick with Genesis and with the tradition of the church and and not with with, it, with, with what he's trying to push or what other people are trying to push right now. Mm-hmm. But look, we live in a country that believes in religious liberty, that believes in pluralism. We have a right. And mostly our Supreme Court, when, it, when these cases get up to the Supreme Court, has sided with the ability of institutions to, to have definitions of who can work for them and what kind of conscience protections that they have, we're going to probably have to see a lot of development of the law in that regard. Mm -hmm. But unless Catholics themselves push it and push it rather vigorously in public, I don't think anything will happen. And it's got to start with the bishops because they're the largest institutional body.
0: I've got to get to this. The USCCB has posted um, a graphic this week on their website stating, quote, we call on Catholics to pray the litany of the Sacred Heart on June 16th, offering this prayer as an act of reparation for the blasphemies against our lord we see in our culture today. Now, Bob, this graphic comes following the Dodgers' decision to honor a group of anti-Catholic drag queens at their stadium on Friday. Uh, A prayerful protest against the Dodgers' decision uh, led by Bishop Strickland is going to take place on Friday. But so far, we have not seen many bishops publicly protest the Dodgers. What do you make of this USCCB response?
3: It's a bit vague. Yeah. Look, uh, I can understand why they don't want to, as a body, uh, look like they're encouraging some sort of special penalty against the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. But I've got to say, my heart is with the people who are going to show up there tomorrow in, in, in the midst of that. This is an absolute outrage. We live in a pluralistic society. Uh, At this point in in our national history, if people are going to be gay in their private lives, there's not a lot we can do about it, because they have a right to do this. And I suppose that means that a a private organization like like the Dodgers can celebrate pride, although I think they would be wiser to just stay out of the subject entirely. Mm -hmm. But to pick the sisters of perpetual indulgence, who are directly disrespectful... I mean, you can only call this stuff blasphemy and, and utter rejection. You want to talk about haters. These people are haters, and it isn't hard to find videos, statements by them that that prove this. I I think that this is an outrage, and it can only be stopped. I I think prayer is great, but, you know, there was a famous football coach who once said, prayers work better when the linemen are big. (laughs) And so I I I think some physical, you know, presence will make a difference.
0: Yeah, yeah. No violence, but a presence is important, and I think a prayerful witness is so important. Father Jerry. Um, You know, I've been commenting on this over the last couple of weeks, and people have made the argument, look, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, they serve their community, they've been serving there for 40 years. And I say, wait a minute, if the Dodgers want to salute a group of nuns who have been serving the community for real in San Francisco, 26 years ago, Mother Teresa's order opened up a home. You know what they do? They care for homeless HIV-infected men who are otherwise thrown in the street. They've been doing that for 26 years. I don't see the Dodgers bringing the Sisters of Charity center stage, the Missionaries of Charity, and, and, and saluting and clapping for them. This is really uh, uh, an outrage toward Catholicism. And uh, your reaction? Yeah, well, the Dodgers recognized that because after the first
2: protest came up, they withdrew the invitation. But then they caved in when the homosexual groups basically said, if they don't go, we don't go. Well, Well, he should have said, fine, you know, we're not going to include bigotry uh, in Dodger baseball. And, you know, let's face it, uh, anti-Catholic prejudice expressed, uh, you know, by this group and others is now treated as mainstream uh, Americana. Uh, by the Dodgers and by many people and, you know, I can't imagine an anti-Muslim or anti-Jewish group that did spectacles and paraded around in mockery that they would ever have a role to play in any Dodger community interest event. So the Dodgers made a big mistake. You know, the Dodgers were owned by Walter O'Malley, Mm. uh, who came from Brooklyn, New York, and he was a Catholic. He was very devoted. The O'Malley family, I'm sure, was very unhappy about all this. God bless Bill Donahue and the Catholic League because they've been leading the way on this. It re- we should never say, well, let people do what they want. We want people to do good things, and when they do horrendous and ob- objectionable things, the good thing we can do is say, stop it. This is
0: wrong. Well, I, I think Bob-, Bob was right. If private corporations want to celebrate some- a group of people important to their-, their product, have at it. Go at it all you want. But for a baseball team, uh, that were that was created really from the likes of Tommy Lasorda and Vince Scully, all Catholics, by the way. It, it, it kind of smacks against the tradition of the organization and I dare say of the people who populate the stands. You can advocate whatever you want. and, and as, as Bob said, private organizations have that freedom, but, The consumer has the freedom to push back and say, that's not why we patronize your game. That's not why we buy your product. And there does seem, Bob, to be a trend of pushback that we have
3: not seen before. Why do you think that's happening? I I actually think there has been a bit of a sea change. And I'm noticing this in sort of moderate liberal publications Mm -hmm. and broadcasts and whatnot. I think there is a recognition that that particularly this trans thing has gone too far, that you have got now parents coming forward and saying... You know, you're mutilating our children, basically. Mm. You're, you're proselytizing them in school. When we, we can't read the Bible, you know, Muslims can't proselytize, Jews can't. But, but somehow the LGBT juggernaut is able to show films and require people to, uh, to participate in events that are related with pride. You know, there was this incident up in Canada last week where a teacher actually told a Muslim student who wouldn't show up for these events, you don't belong here in Canada. Mm. Well, all of a sudden, you know, the 99 percent of the people throughout history who believed a different thing than, than this small group of people now believes don't belong in our democracies. And, Father, is right to say this has become this has become sort of the standard orthodoxy in our public life we have to push back very hard at this and I'm starting to see this crack on the print on the trans issues and we may see even yet yet other things we're seeing students certainly standing up and mocking when they're being shown films of you know yet another gay pride film well you see
0: the polls are also father shifting and uh, you know people are very concerned about this and you know I look I think every... Americans, by and large, are fair people. They want people to be free. They want people to do what they... what they wish to do with their lives and their... and their bodies. However, when that begins to impinge upon your child's rights and your child's body, and when it runs up against religious belief, and that's really what we're talking about here, the right for a group to not only defame a religion, but to publicly be honored for doing so. Um, and, and I think, uh, to pick up on what you said earlier, if this were the, you know, raging drag queen rabbis or the imaginary imams running around in, in that garb, they shouldn't be tolerated and they wouldn't be tolerated. The Dodgers would, wouldn't dare to salute a group like that. You no, know, it's true.
2: And, you know, let's face it, baseball is a great game. People go to a ball game to be entertained, to have fun. Forcing this stuff down the throats of the paying patrons at ball games and those watching on TV, there's a message here. It's we want to take over your thought process. We want you to agree that homosexuality is good, that there is such a thing as a transsexual, that mocking women by dressing up as women and calling yourself a drag queen is okay. Uh, Guess what, fellas? That's not why I'm going to the ball game. Uh, Leave this program out. I'll debate with anybody, but I don't want to do it at Dodger Stadium. Uh, this is really sad, but, look, it's a cultural juggernaut, as, as Bob was saying earlier. Mm-hmm. The way you fight a cultural juggernaut, stand your ground and show that, basically, immorality and insanity have no role to play in the public life. We're going to refute it with the truth calmly and in, char- and in charity, which, are really, truth and charity are the same thing.
0: Gentlemen, we will leave it there. You know, Bob, before we started, said, maybe we should rebrand ourselves, or at least for this period as the posse of the peripheries, Father, and I think maybe that's uh, what we should do going forward for a few weeks at least, the posse of the peripheries. Well, that'll be our, our synod uh, banner that will march under that gentleman. Thank you for commentary by Robert Royal and Father Gerald Murray. Visit thecatholicthing.org. Thank you both. A Louisiana business owner and father of five is paying a hefty price for his expressing his Catholic faith. This follows an Instagram post where he commemorated the celebration of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. A backlash followed, as did national headlines. Joining me to discuss what has happened since is Louisiana native and business owner of Backwater Foie Gras, Ross McKnight. Ross, thanks for being here. Last weekend, you put up uh, this Instagram post, and I'll read it to people. It said, the push to have every mainstream value and holiday represented in some way in our Louisiana ought to make no sense at all to any Louisians, uh, unless recognized as a forward offensive by an ever-encroaching enemy that has sought to, for generations, to destroy our unique culture, which is so intimately tied to our Catholic identity. The attempted coup of the month of June is part of that offensive but I can suggest some antidotes to a false pride. And you go on to list uh, enthroning of the Sacred Heart in your home, wearing the Sacred Heart badge, praying the rosary for the conversion of souls. Now, you own a small family business, Ross, and you've lost two-thirds of your customers since that post appeared on Instagram. Were your clients predominantly restaurants in
4: New Orleans? What's their beef here? Certainly, so thank you for having me, Ave Maria. Um, I lost two, I would say two thirds of our restaurant accounts, which is significant for us because that's the predominant part of our business we do, uh, much less as far as retail goes. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's just, it's, it's a mounting, it's a mounting frustration that they have with us, you know, because if we, if we maintain our Catholic faith and, and we do speak about that, we're not quiet about that. Um, I think throughout the years that's been apparent with uh, mm-hmm. at least our farm, or at least within the last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, seeing, seeing of course, Pride Month becoming more and more prominent, I, um, I you know, had a sense of righteous anger and wanted to promote the Sacred Heart and reclaim, you know, reclaim the month, as many have said before. Um, I think, mm-hmm. I know there's a Reclaim the Month movement out there. And, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's for the Sacred Heart. It's always been for the Sacred Heart. I mean, we can go back to 1856, but it's, it's really, this is something that Heaven has wanted to promote for hundreds of years, and so that's our job as Louisiana Catholics.
0: Why, why do you think this post-enraged activists and and these businesses who had contracted with you for years? I mean, where's the diversity of thought here?
4: Certainly, I think I think it's probably just a tipping point, right? Um, a little more pointed than things perhaps I've said before, but it is. I suppose I suppose there's irony here in that my um, my criticism was that this culture that is from outside right is something that's being forced on us and then the response was indeed to to uh... express that sort of force and rage against our our business so um i think that that was all that they had left was to let us go you know mm. and so that's what happened
0: you have very deep roots in uh... louisiana soil uh, you celebrate your french ancestry you, you live out your catholic faith and you've said that you don't have a litmus test for your customers uh, and you've been open about your faith i mean you signed uh, several of your posts with for god and king in french are, are you surprised by the reaction of customers toward you i mean this
4: this didn't come out of left field for them um no'm I'm, I'm i'm you know it was i guess it was it was interesting that it happened now because it's 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 not like they don't know who I am, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are people I have I see very frequently. Um anybody who wants to know what type of person I am can go look on our Instagram page, right? Mm-hmm. Or look on our Facebook page or look at our farm blog, but it's uh so so I guess it's it's perhaps it was just for some person who was more than others offended by uh, our rejection of pride and our support for the Sacred Heart—I suppose it was just the tipping point because it was in very close succession that we received those two uh, cancellations.
0: And, and what are they telling you? What did those businesses tell you? And tell me the most surprising thing that came
4: out of this entire controversy for you. Certainly, uh, the first one—you uh, know—mentioned the word. You know, essentially because I'm a homophobe, they can't. Uh, purchase my products. I always find the word homophobe very silly because I don't I don't think we're afraid of them right um, That's certainly not the case here. Um, and then the other statement was was uh, a chef saying that they were we'll just say that they were proudly you know uh, uh, th- identified with with sexual disorder themselves right um which is of course a very interesting thing to to want to share and be proud of i think mm-hmm. um so and the surprising thing is is that you know we went from from a day of just just utter distress right thinking how can we what what are we going to do now mm-hmm. and um you know having those moments of of <laughs> just just it, it felt it felt insane to be for instance preparing to receive birds that were being shipped to us in the morning that Uh, the majority of which didn't have a home right? Um, that had to be eventually processed and and go to one of these restaurants. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of that, of course, sort of more than reversed itself almost overnight. And we, I've, I've mentioned to a couple of friends, I've like, I've, I've just been, just been a a babe in the hand of God, you know, just, just Providence has, has taken care of us ever since then. And I, I haven't had to think about much as far as what decisions I need to make. It seems very clear, hmm. and it seems that um, you know the, the outpouring of, of God's love is, I guess, the most astounding thing. So you've especially. So, I, I mean, I know
0: you've lost some business because of these posts and this expression of your beliefs and faith. I, I imagine you've gained business as well. I mean, you made national headlines. I saw you on Fox. I, uh, I I read about your story in papers. I mean, this this has been a national story.
4: Yeah, I actually need to apologize because because my my business is so tiny. Uh, I. I have probably gotten a lot of calls that are extremely valuable you know a lot of emails are extremely valuable but my phone is a complete and utter war zone and I'm just one guy essentially <laughs> you know it's like me and my parents and my wife and children so handling all of this is not something we're uh, we're equipped for and um, but but I would say that there are two uh, well-known Catholic chefs in Louisiana specifically that have reached out to us to to help and to meet with us and and so that's ahead of us. And you know, even before you know the news, the news came out. Friends were coming to the farm and buying product, and they wanted to help. And so that outpouring of support, we are extremely grateful for. We've been very well taken care of. There's really there's nothing we need. And I would, I just, I would encourage people. You know, if you want to help us, just make make that devotion to the Sacred Heart, um, pray the Rosary, yes, and throw in your home, pray a novena to the Sacred Heart. Yeah. Make a, the morning offering of Saint Therese, which of course is a prayer to the Sacred Heart. Um, those are the things that we have to keep the the Sacred Heart as the the focus here, and keep the message pure, because this is the battles pitched here, right? It's been given to us the Sacred Heart and the burning love uh, of the Sacred Heart of Jesus for all mankind has been pitched against the false claim of love, right, in pride um, in our in our nation, and so so it's very clear what what standard we need to fight under. Ross McKnight, we will leave it there.
0: Thank you for your time. For more information on Backwater Farmstead, visit Backwater Foie Gras. that's Backwater, F-O-I-E-G-R-A-S.com. Thank you. God bless you. On Friday, June 16th, Catholics will process in prayer from the Cathedral of Our Lady, Queen of the Angels in Los Angeles to Dodger Stadium in reparation for the offenses committed by the anti-Catholic drag queen nuns known as the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. The group will be honored by the Dodgers during their Pride Night. Joining me to discuss this and much more most reverend Joseph Strickland, bishop of Tyler, Texas. He will be incidentally leading this procession of prayer to Dodger Stadium. Your Excellency, thank you for being here. The Dodgers made headlines last month when they first invited this anti-Catholic group uh, to honor, to be honored at a Pride Night game after protests from the Catholic League and other groups the drag queens were disinvited. But when the LGBT community protested, the Dodgers reinvited the drag queen groups. Uh, now, this group openly mocks the church in blasphemous ways. What was your reaction to the Dodgers when you saw this swing back to their initial invitation to honor these people?
5: Well, um, very disappointed isn't strong enough word, just really... Uh, a shock that they would buckle to. Sadly, the 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 power voices of our time that are not about the truth, but about an agenda that really is evil. I think we have to call it evil, not calling persons evil, because we can all be redeemed. We're all sinful, but um, this event is evil, and it's it's certainly anti-Catholic. Um, but I think that's sort of a, a badge of honor for us as Catholics because. Really it's anti Christian and it reminds people that the Catholic Church is the beacon of Christianity or should be in the world. So mm-hmm. I know it's devastating to many. And I, I responded when Catholics for Catholics invited me to participate in this procession, a procession of prayer. Um, I said yes, because we need to w- with clarity and charity speak the truth not attacking anyone, but simply standing and saying, don't attack our Lord Jesus Christ. And these wonderful women that are so humble and beautiful throughout the world and in this nation, the women religious are some of our unsung heroes. And for them to be mocked uh, along with our Lord himself, it's just we have to speak up against it.
0: Uh, I was going to ask you, how did you decide to lead this Eucharistic procession, which falls on the Feast of the Sacred Heart?
5: And why you? You're the bishop of Tyler, Texas, not Los Angeles. Well, uh, really, Raymond, I don't have the answers to all of that. I just know I was invited by Catholics for Catholics to come. And I said, well, it's going to be difficult. But they said, well, we'll help you make it happen. And I said, well, if it's supposed to happen, then I'm open to it. Um, There there were some glitches with letting Archbishop Gomez know that I was coming, but finally that did happen. And, uh, you know, all I can speak for is the Sacred Heart devotion has been significant since I was a child for my own journey. So the fact that it's on the Feast of the Sacred Heart and what this prayer procession is about, when they asked me, my response was, uh, sure, I'll participate. you you say that I'm leading it. I I'm glad too if that's what's happening. I just said I'll be there if I can. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that we we need to just cut through some of the confusion and the noise and just remember who we are. I'm called to mm-hmm. be a successor of the apostles. I'm in a small diocese in a corner of Texas. But I was invited and I said, Well, if we, we can make it happen, I'm glad to. Mm. join in this prayerful procession. Uh, It's not a protest, but it's simply praying in reparation Mm. and praying for all those who are caught up in this false messaging that is just Mm. overwhelming the world and sadly, even very significantly overwhelming the church.
0: Hmm. There have been several bishops who have been outspoken about the Dodgers' decision uh, here. Uh, Bishop Robert Barron, Archbishop Salvatore Cordlione, who was on our show last week, Bishop Donald Hying, and others. Uh, Will there be other Catholic bishops joining in
5: this procession of prayer, or do you know, uh, Bishop? I don't know. I hope so. Um, It isn't an easy day for bishops to be there because— the Bishops meeting is on the other coast in Orlando. Um, but mm-hmm. they managed to to make it possible for me to be there. I hope that other bishops will join us because the the people need their shepherds uh, leading them. And you know, I'm one Bishop, but uh, I believe that I, I need to be there and i'm I'm glad to be there. I know many people are praying that the event, Will have the the positive effect that I know the organizers wanted to have, in reparation mm-hmm. for the blasphemies and just to change hearts back to Christ mm-hmm. on the feast of His Sacred Heart.
0: Yeah, uh, Bishop, by you know the sisters of perpetual indulgence. I mean, having lived in New York City and 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 Washington D.C. Uh, and, and New York, uh, you know, you see this group over many years, I've seen them. I mean, they engage in all sorts of kind of blasphemous dances. They do mock nuns and religious figures, Jesus and Mary. I mean, I can't even show viewers video of this group because, I mean, it, it, you know, it only extends the blasphemy. Um, uh, my question to you is if other groups engaged in this kind of mockery of religion and key religious figures, like Muhammad um, or Moses. uh, Do you think we'd be seeing the Dodgers re-inviting them for an honor like this or tributing them in any way?
5: I don't think so. Um, I think, uh, certainly, as I mentioned already, I'm glad that this is totally without violence or attack of anyone. It's a prayerful procession. That's how we need to operate as disciples of Jesus Christ. We oppose Mm -hmm. what's false but we do so with love and charity and calling hearts back to the truth. But as you allude to, Raymond, I think other religious groups might not react with the passivity that we are. We're, we're sometimes too passive as Christians, but I think this is the right balance of acting, but acting in love and in prayerful humility. Um, but other groups might well, uh, and, and frankly, in the world we live in, violence speaks. And I think other groups are probably hands-off because there's a history of sometimes violent reactions to some of the blasphemies toward other religious leaders. Um, we know that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And so I think we, mm-hmm. we need to seek his model as we react as he did. He was mocked in his own incarnate life here. He was spat upon. He was beaten to the end of his life. And then, of course, he died on the cross. We have to take him as the the quiet model that stands for the truth, doesn't back down, but always does so with great humility, Um, especially in this month of June. We need that humility of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Hmm. Any idea how many people will be participating in this prayerful procession. And what are you hoping will be the result of this as you all march toward uh, Dodger Stadium next Friday?
5: I have no idea really how many will participate. Hopefully uh, many people uh, will take the time to be there to honor the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus Christ and also to pray in reparation. And, And really the result I would hope for is As many hearts as possible, I I know there are committed Catholic, faithful Catholic people who are disheartened and weakened by all that we're seeing in the world and all the confusion and all the ambiguity. I hope their hearts are strengthened, and I hope and pray that hearts are converted, that maybe people there, maybe even some of these participating directly in this sacrilegious presentation, um, maybe through prayerful Action and through loving reparation, Uh, God can change all of our hearts, and all of our hearts need to grow closer to the Lord and His truth. We're all in need of ongoing conversion, and I think we always have to humbly approach something like this in that way. But my hope would be for hearts that are with Christ to be deepened in Him, to be stronger in His love, and for those that have wandered into darkness and sin that they will be converted or reconverted to the light that Christ brings. He's the light of the world. Yeah.
0: Uh, Bishop, I am startled, uh, not that this group is being honored, but that they're being honored by the Dodgers, a group that, you know, uh, I knew Tommy Lasorda, he was a family friend, uh, the (laughs) longtime manager of the Dodgers, who was a a fervent um, uh, Catholic, Uh, would never have put up with this. Vince Scully, of course, who was associated with the Dodgers for, you know, most of his life, Um, again, a a very faithful Catholic man. It, It is amazing to me that the organization has gone out of its way to salute a group that mocks and ridicules the deeply held faith of the men who helped build this organization. I'll give you the last word.
5: Well, Raymond, I think what you alert, allude to is, sadly, we, we're seeing it in every uh, aspect of society. Uh, corporations mm-hmm. that were founded on good American values and, and hard work and providing uh, quality products and all. I mean, d- it seems the whole society is caught up in this. And it, it truly is evil. I think we have to call it evil. Once again, calling out these things as evil, doesn't label any individual as evil and and God loves all of us. God loves every person that will be on any side of what happens at Dodger Stadium, those in the procession and those who may be blaspheming him. That's That's the wonder of our merciful God. He allows us, I mean, there are consequences that will come if we continue to blaspheme, but he gives us that freedom always His hope and the life of his son is directed toward bringing us to his truth and to his life and grace, and he gives us chance after chance to do so. So I think we have to let ourselves be rejoice in the God that we know, in his mercy and compassion, and that we honor him and his son by doing all we can to stand for the truth.
0: Bishop, we will leave it there. The prayerful procession to Dodger Stadium with Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler will take place Friday, June 16th, in Los Angeles, starting at the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels. That is all the time we have for now. Be sure to catch us next week. Until then, we'll be scouting the world over for all that is seen and unseen. On behalf of the staff and crew of EWTN News, thank you for watching. I'm Raymond Arroyo. I know. Thank you